Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Tuesday, December 26th. For the holiday week, we are replaying some of our top episodes from 2023. Today, we look back at how the housing market was a little less frenzied in Colorado and ways first time home buyers are getting back into the market. Before we begin, a quick thank you to our members who make it possible for the Colorado Sun to bring you your news about our beautiful, complex state. If you aren't yet a member, consider joining now to support local journalism and gain access to member newsletters. Start your membership today at coloradosun.com join. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this day in 1996, the gruesome murder of six-year-old Jean-Benet Ramsey was discovered by her father in their boulder basement. This unsolved case, marked by sensation and mystery, stands as one of Colorado's most notorious crimes. While a rambling ransom note initially led police to suspect a kidnapping, the investigation rapidly morphed into a homicide. The investigation suffered from initial missteps, law enforcement rivalries, media sensationalism, and larger-than-life personalities who descended into Boulder and cast suspicion on the family. Despite their eventual exoneration by forensic evidence, the case's early mishandling continues to haunt its legacy. Patsy Ramsey passed away in 2006, and Jean Benet rests beside her in Georgia, their story a lingering, tragic enigma. Before we continue, did you know the Colorado Sun has a mobile app? Get all of your Colorado news, whether you're in the car heading to holiday festivities or sitting on your couch enjoying your coffee. The app brings you everything from the Sun right to your mobile device. Learn more at coloradosun.com app. Next, our feature story. Hey there, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Colorado Sun Daily Sunup podcast. I'm David Krause, one of the team editors here at the Colorado Sun, and I am excited to be here with my friend and colleague, Tamara Chang, the Sun's business reporter. Hey there, Tamara. What's happening? Not much. How are you, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. I thought today uh, in the world of business and economy, maybe we'd circle back on the crazy housing market. Certainly, everybody knows what's gone on the past couple of years with the prices going up and interest rates going up. But you had a really interesting, intriguing story late last week, kind of circling back on new home buyers and what it really takes to be a new home buyer this day and age when we have these crazy prices in Denver and stuff, and so in Colorado as well. So I thought maybe let's chat today on the reemergence of the first-time home buyer, Tamara. What what kind of made you want to jump into that story last week? Well, I've been writing a lot about how housing prices have gone up um, throughout the pandemic, in and it's been a crazy market and crazy being defined as you know if if you're looking for a house, you put in an offer. There's probably 50 other people, at least in the Denver metro area, who also put in an offer. So um, chances for a first-time buyer getting, you know, getting their offer accepted when you have a loan and you don't. You know, maybe you don't have a large down payment and stuff like that. They've been really low of getting that done. And and with the median house price in the Denver Metro and even in Colorado, over half a million dollars, that just seemed really high. And I was wondering, how do first time buyers do that? I mean, that's a lot of money. And, and you know, going from renting to a half million dollar house, uh, I, I just had a lot of questions about that. And so you have some really cool information in uh, in there on demographics, on 
what first time home buyers are looking like compared to when we probably did it. You know, I was in my what 32, I think, when I bought my first house in Loveland. What are you seeing for what those new home buyers are coming to market with? You know, what's kind of their MO right now? Yeah. So a lot of first time buyers, and this is data from a survey by the National Realtors Association. The median age of the first time home buyer is the oldest it's ever been at 36 years old. So, you know, I think back in oh, 1981, it was 29. So usually, you know, people do are older, you know, maybe out of college before they buy a house. And that's because, you know, you're renting, you're moving around, changing jobs. When you um, find a partner, uh, have kids, that's when you might start looking into finding, you know, your permanent spot, something where you're going to be for a couple of years. And so that's why, you know, people are getting married and having children older. So it just makes a lot of sense that um, folks are, are older as well. You talk to quite a few people out there, Tim, or a really good mix, you know, and all of us have personal experience how we're seeing the housing market change. I was uh, talking to his friends over the weekend and their oldest son is out of the army and is using a VA loan to get a brand new build house in North Denver, I think up maybe in Firestone and paying almost $500,000 for a house first time. It just is insane, like you said. I, I, you know, when we bought our first place in Loveland, I remember thinking, "How am I going to afford a hundred and eight thousand dollar house?" And you know, the the craziness involved there. Talk about some of the scenarios uh, of the people you found in your story, and kind of how they're how they were able to make it work, and and those people who are still dealing with some of those frustrations. Sure. The funny thing is a couple of the folks I did interview that I did include in the story were near the average age uh, or the median age. So they were close to 36. I think the two big things I learned about, um, well, maybe I didn't learn, but you know, I really wanted to point out is that to be a first time home buyer in this day and age, you really need to be ready and you need to know that you want to buy a house. Once you get to that point, the next best step is finding a good realtor or someone to help you with this process if you're not that familiar with mortgages and and the housing market and stuff like that. So I I ended up uh, meeting uh, a woman named Ashley Knight who lived in downtown Denver. She lived in a loft. Um, She had always thought of buying a house someday. And the thing is, everything kept getting postponed for her I think she is, um, but she did end up buying one, and this was at the end of April. She was, yeah, she's 34. And the thing is, you know, she thought she would get some financial help from her family, but, you know, because of the pandemic, she lost her job. She, uh, the money, the financial help from her family didn't, um, you know, kind of fell through. So she realized she had to do this all by herself. But she was ready. You know, she's already paying a lot to live in downtown Denver. And, and she ended up getting a better job that paid even more. So even though interest rates in this past spring were probably, you know, they were pretty high, uh, six to seven percent, six and a half to seven percent. Um, she decided, you know, it, it was time. And she, you know, got a good 
a realtor. That was Kathy Casey in Aurora and and even a good uh, like a mortgage broker, uh, Arthur Brown, who's also in the area. And they based on her income and where she was looking and everything like that, she ended up qualifying for an FHA loan. And these are the federal back loans that are available to almost anyone out there. It doesn't, you know, your income isn't that big of a deal. It's really your debt to income ratio that's important. And with FHA loans, which, you know, lots of banks and credit unions offer them, it, it requires just a three and a half percent down payment. And so she put down some earnest money on a townhouse she found in Aurora for about, you know, just under 300000 And then she, well, she had also taken the CHAFA program, the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority program, that if you take the program, they will help you with it, that payment, that down payment of financial assistance. And for her, she ended up getting a grant, basically. Uh, so she didn't have a down payment. And then her realtor apparently, you know, really knows the community and really knows other realtors and managed to get the seller to take care of the closing costs. So when Ashley went to closing, she ended up getting some of her earnest money back in order to get her house. And, you know, that's all going to go toward her, you know, monthly mortgage. And down the road, she hopes to refinance like many people who are getting these higher interest rates. And and to me, it was like, well, that that's a pretty good story for her because, I mean, she's probably making a decent living and but still couldn't afford, you know, a huge mortgage and ended up getting a lot of it taken care of just because of her efforts to learn about the Chaffa programs and find a good realtor. So there's a lot of these down payment assistance programs out there. And, you know, I've listed some of them in the story. And you had, after you wrote the story and we published, you had a couple other programs come out and say, hey, we've got these programs too. Any other ones worth mentioning now? Yeah. Um, so Colorado Housing Assistance Corp had contacted me and they offer programs and so does Habitat for Humanity. Um, they told me they have uh, first-time assistant I mean, first time homebuyer assistance in 45 communities in Colorado. Also, private companies might might offer assistance. You know, I talked to Bank of America and they have a program. I mean, you mentioned a home builder uh, who had a program for your friend's son. So, you know, the thing is, it makes it seem like home ownership isn't as far out of reach for a lot of the renters today. I think one thing I'd like to mention is is just what Arthur Brown had told me, and he was the mortgage broker who helped Ashley. I mean, he, he's basically saying, you know, with home ownership, you know, you're obviously investing in your future. And the thing with rent, rent is never going to go down. So if you're going to be in the same place for a long time, it's probably something to think about, you know, getting into home a home. Well, it's like you mentioned toward the beginning of our conversation that idea that you've got to be ready to want to buy a house. And once you get to that point, there really isn't that big fear of, oh, how am I going to get 20% down, right? How, you know, that used to be the number um, for a long time was you wanted 20% down so you wouldn't have to pay that uh, premium mortgage insurance. And so now there are so many of these programs that'll help you get into a loan for less, you know, than 10%. It's just really great because 
to your point and, and Arthur's point exactly, rents aren't going to go down. But like you and I have talked about is, you know, buying a house is kind of like going to college. Some people are really ready to go to college and, you know, some people aren't and some people are really ready to buy a house and, and some people aren't. So I think it's, you know, this market, people have been, it's been so wild the last couple of years that I've been selling a place and buying a place and enduring all of this and know what that craziness is. But um, to your point, being a first time home buyer, boy, that's, it is a daunting task coming off of this, but you found some really interesting ways to help people out and, and kind of get there. Timra, is there to wrap it up for today? Is there one piece of advice that you really want people to remember as they kind of get into this whole journey of, of getting a, a house and, and being ready no matter what age you're at? Well, I think after you are a homeowner, I kind of look at it, you know, if you can stay in the house for several years and, and that's kind of your commitment to buying a home, just think about it down the road, you know, houses appreciate. And if you're in the home for five years or more, that it tends to go up. So once you do sell, it's like you've wiped away any sort of rent you might have paid during those years. There's so many other positives about it. But of course, homeownership isn't for everyone. And in Colorado, just like the U.S., about a third of the residents here rent. So two thirds are homeowners. And that makes sense. There's a need for renters. And that's why there's a growth area there as well. Damn, our good stuff. This was a fun one. And I always like to you know, see the experience that you bring and, and both of us as homeowners can help, you know, if there are first time home buyers or even if you aren't, but you have kids or family members who are looking to buy a house for the first time, Tamara's got some really great ideas and some really good suggestions in that story. So I would encourage you to go over to coloradosun.com slash business is where we house all of Tamara's great reporting on everything around the state. And you can also sign up there for Tamara's free weekly What's Working newsletter. Tamara, have a great day. You too. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. At the start of each season, bootpacking crews at several Colorado ski areas spend weeks burrowing through steep powder to stabilize snowpacks and reduce avalanche danger. In 2015, Copper Mountain ski patrollers started recruiting volunteers to bootpack the steepest terrain. There were about 20 skiers who signed up that first winter. Now there are 75 and a long waiting list. Bootpacking is an important part of avalanche mitigation at other ski areas like Aspen Highlands, Crested Butte, and Silverton Mountain. Steep ski areas have long enlisted volunteers who wade through snow in exchange for passes or lift tickets. For $12 million a year, Colorado could guarantee free college tuition for every low-income high school student in the state. Top lawmakers are in the early stages of creating a statewide program they're calling the Colorado Promise. Modeled after similar programs across the country, it would build on free tuition guarantees already offered by many of the state's colleges and universities. If Colorado limited the promise to families making under $60,000 a year, analysts estimate it would cost the state $12.4 million extra each year to cover the unmet tuition and fees for 12,500 students. From the release of Wolves to groundbreaking legislation, it's been another interesting year in Colorado. Our team at The Sun has been to every corner of the state to bring news and feature stories that mean something to all of us. 
It took a while, but we've narrowed down a few of our favorite stories and photos for our readers to enjoy in our 2023 year in review. Go to coloradosun.com to see what words and pictures we culled together as some of our favorite stories from the past year. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And the Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. Tomorrow.